asked by anyone that we met was, where do you go to church? And once we came here, we didn't search anymore. It was an automatic, this felt right. Coming here to this church really ignited a spiritual awakening in our family. And, you know, I can truthfully say that my priorities in life have been shaped by my relationship with this church. This is a sanctuary for people. It's not a play on words, but it is where they go when they're hurt, when, they're, when they have concerns, when they need a helping hand, they come here to this church. And that's, that's why I think it's so important that we continue to provide an environment that will be welcoming and hospitable to people that have those types of needs. I look out here and I see all of these 30-something families with their young kids, and I remember being them. And I remember that when I first came, I didn't know how to help. I didn't know what to do. And I certainly didn't know how to give. At that point in time, I'm not even sure I was tithing. But until somebody took me under their wing and said, this is how you do it. You know, it doesn't matter what you give. It's that you are participating. You are becoming a brick in the wall. You are just, you're part of the church. So it's not about how much, it's just that you care enough to give something. Uh, we're a classic church and it's historic with churches that they add on and add on and add on and they add themselves on to create a, a dysfunctional facility. And it's very important that what we're doing is enhancing our functionality of this, this church and making it more navigable. It's virtually impossible to direct people from point A to point B on some of the places on this campus. So uh, I think we've got a lot of things that this building program will correct uh, that will make this a much more user-friendly facility. It's such a good feeling to know that you come from the church that has so much love that they're willing to pass it on to others. Everything we do. Everything we do. Everything we do. We do together. Everything we do. <laughs> Are we supposed to say one? the other thing? Everything we do. I'm we Randall do. and I'm Linda, and everything we do, we do together. <laughs> everything we do, we do together. Together. Okay. <laughs> Can we do that again? Everything we do, we do together. 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 It is an incredible joy to welcome you today. If we have not met, my name is David, and it is an honor to serve uh, as your senior pastor. There's a few things I want you to know right off the top. As many of you know, I graduated uh, from uh, Texas A&M University, um, uh, class of 2000. Uh, but that being said, I want you to know I did not pick the color of the shirts, okay? So just stop it, stop it. Uh, we, uh, we had our staff come, uh, this is several months ago, and, and said, hey, we we're thinking about using the color maroon. And I was like, please don't use maroon. Please don't just, I, I love blue, by the way. Blue's my favorite color. Can you tell? I, I love, so you can blame me for the blue. But I said, everyone is going to harass me because we use maroon. But I didn't pick the color maroon. But I think you look good, those of you who are wearing maroon. So... Um, the other thing I want you to know is uh, I saw an earlier cut uh, of that video. Our, our team usually sends one around uh, early in the week just for feedback. And, and my feedback was this, it's perfect, don't change a thing. 
which they, I guess, interpret that to mean uh, we should add that dancing video of David into the, that, that was not in there earlier. I apologize that you had to see that uh, this morning. But uh, I am grateful to, to Randall and Linda for sharing with you. You're going to hear from, uh, from other leaders in your church as we move through these next few weeks. You're going to hear from leaders in our community partners in our community as they express what this church has meant to them over the course uh, of its history and what it's meant to our community and to the development uh, in our area. Uh, you're going to hear all those things as we move uh, through these weeks. I'm grateful to our music teams coming together on a day like today to bless us in such a tremendous way. Will you join me in giving them our appreciation again for, for them serving us today? They are, uh, they are a, a rich expression of what is so unique, uh, what is the unique blessing of this, of this church. And I want you to hear today that I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for the vibrancy of your faith. I'm grateful for the heritage uh, that you uh, ha- have, have made here in the life of, of this church family. I'm grateful for your accommodation on a weekend like this when we invite everyone from our six weekend services and our multiple worship environments to come together uh, in a time like this. We don't do that very often. We do it on moments of great significance, uh, moments when we feel like we need to call the entire church together. If the sanctuary was large enough, we would have had one service. Uh, Instead, we're squeezing everyone into two this weekend uh, because uh, what has happened many times before in the life of our church is happening again. We believe that God is calling us to a radical step of faith together. And in the ministry that we share, ongoing ministry, week in and week out, we often note that everything that we do, we do together. And so as we approach a a step of faith that we uh, as a church are called to do together, we know that we need to all be together, and that's what today is about. Uh, For more than a year, we've had a building planning team working on uh, plans for, uh, to address our current and future facility needs, to continue to expand the the ministry and outreach of our church. Uh, They've worked with with our staff, with our lay leadership, with more than 100 key ministry leaders over the course of this year to to develop that. In May, we, we had a church conference, and as a church body, we voted to move to the next step of that process which was to have a, a building campaign to secure the, uh, the necessary funds to move forward with that expansion. And today, today that work begins. Uh, today we begin that work of preparing for the future and looking to the future. And while everyone here knows, everyone here is aware that, that what is before us is a time of consideration of what sacrifice we might each be able to do to make this happen, the, uh, the financial implications of what that will mean for your life and my life and for our life together, what I want you to hear today is more than anything, what we begin today, what the focus of these weeks is all about at the foundation of it, it is a call to prayer. It is a call for us as a church family to come before God and each in our own way to ask of God each day, Lord, what would you do through me? Lord, what would you do through me? And so as you hear that, you think about what these weeks mean for us, I I want you to leave today with an understanding of of two questions. Uh, What is the next step? Why together? And, And I want you to hear why prayer is the foundation of everything that we do. That will be the most significant thing that any of us do 
in these weeks ahead. So let's talk first about what the next step is. If you were here last weekend, uh, you already picked up one of these journals. If you don't have one yet, uh, if you're seated at the end of the row, uh, you'll find a stack of those. You can pass those down to anyone who hasn't received one yet. And in the first 20 pages of this journal, you're going to find three things. You're going to find the what, you're going to find the why, and you're going to find the how. Uh, What the plans are for our, our future expansion, why we believe these are so critical for our future, and you're gonna, hear, and you're gonna read in there how we believe uh, that plan will come uh, to fruition. Uh, and our hope is that you will take the time to read through that, 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 that work, that you'll look at the images, that you'll immerse yourself in the plans uh, that have been prepared by your leadership and, and, and are being brought before you as a congregation. Now, but today you have an additional opportunity to, to grow in an understanding of what that next step is. We have tours uh, today. You can do it at any time today. If you start at any of the tents outside, uh, they will give you this map. Uh, there are six stops uh, on the map where you can go and you can, uh, you can immerse yourself in those plans. See the places where expansion and renovation is going to happen. And what I want to uh, share with you is if if you've already uh, received a presentation, if you've already read through those 20 pages, please still take the tour today. Uh, Because over the last three months, I've shared about 80 presentations uh, of the plans uh, that that, that our building planning team has put together. Uh, But on Monday night, I went through this tour and even even for me and the level of familiarity I have with them uh, to walk the campus, to see and to to visualize uh, what has been prepared will give you a better sense of the magnitude uh, of of what we seek to do and and the impact that it will have on our future. And so while I'm not gonna walk through all of that today, you have plenty of opportunities today to immerse yourself in that, to ask questions. Uh, There are cards, uh, I believe at each stop. I have one around here somewhere. I don't know where it went, here it is, uh, where you can write down any question that you have about those plans because we want our entire church to have clarity on what we're doing as we move forward together. So let's talk about why together. Why, why have we uh, chosen to, uh, to focus the entirety of this campaign around this, this singular word? Well, there's two things you're going to see over the course of the coming weeks. The first uh, is a verse from Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. You'll see that on the screen. This is our theme verse as we move forward, that two are better than one because a good return comes when two work together. You're going to hear that every week. We're going to talk about that every week. The idea of a good return comes when we work together. The other thing that you're going to see uh, each and every week uh, is you're going to see ropes. Uh, You saw the choir process in with a rope today. I have this rope uh, to share with you. You'll see ropes of all different kinds uh, this week. And the reason that we're using the imagery of ropes is is twofold. First, ropes uh, since the ancient times have been a important tool for construction. Uh, Now, when we get to the point of of actually expanding, we will be using more modern construction technology, just so you know. But there are are buildings all over the world still standing today, incredible places that that you on vacation may go visit that wouldn't have been possible. Uh, They they were made with, with this technology. Uh, The the second reason is, uh, we find a few verses later in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 12, we we find these words, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. 
And so you see this rope here, you can see that there are three main strands of this rope that have been braided together and the, and the strength of this rope is found in the fact that these three strands have been woven together. But if you were able to look really carefully at just the, the one strand, you would see that, that it's actually made up of its own set of smaller strands. And if you looked even closer at, at an individual small strand, what you would see is that, that, that it is made up of an even higher number of individual fibers that have been woven together in such a way uh, that, that it increases the strength of the overall rope. In other words, when you think about the, the, what a rope can do, the capacity of it, uh, the strength is found in the unity of each and every fiber woven together within that rope. The weight, the weight that you can move or lift or carry or, or elevate in any way, uh, it is defined by how tightly each of the individual fibers have been woven together. The book of Acts is a story of the first men and women to do the work that we continue today as the church. Uh, the story begins with Jesus ascending into heaven, returning to the Father, and the disciples left not really sure of what they needed to do next. And so when you get to chapter 2, verse 1, what you find is the disciples, uh, according to verse 1, were all together in one place. Uh, out of their, their sense of, of not quite knowing what to do next, they came together to seek God's heart and to seek God's direction uh, to figure out how in the world they were to fulfill this command that Jesus had given them to go into all the world and share the good news that he had given to them. And so there together, all in one place, verse 3 says, as a result of the, the community of believers coming together, the Holy Spirit came upon them all, and the work of the church began. Peter stood up among the masses in Jerusalem, and he preached about Christ crucified and Christ resurrected, and he invited all those who could hear his voice to repent, to be baptized, to receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and according to verse 1 in chapter 2, 3,000 people said yes. 3,000 people chose to receive that gift, to be baptized to be forgiven, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and to join with those who had already said yes to Jesus. And, and then according to verse 44, just a few verses later, a, a summary of what, uh, of what we find at the end of that first day, it says this, all the believers were together. Uh, that, that word together uh, appears 28 times in the book of Acts because it's what we see over and over and over again. It's the recurring theme of the early church, that as they came together, what happened in response to that gathering and the work of the Holy Spirit moving among them was that seemingly impossible things continued to occur. Lives were changed, prisoners were set free. New uh, converts, new believers were enlisted in the, in the ranks of those who had said yes to Christ. People came to him, were baptized, uh, joined the work of the church, even in spite uh, of, though, uh, of growing opposition, the spirit continued to move 
inviting new leaders with new believers who continued to share the gospel and through their work, the, the, the ministry and message of the gospel continued to expand further and further beyond the scope of Jerusalem in fulfillment of what Jesus had said, go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth to share the good news that I have given to you from the very beginning from the very beginning of the work that we share today, going all the way back to the first men and women who said yes, the strength, the vitality, the future of the church has always been defined by together. It's, it's what has made this church what it is today, and it's what has made the church what it is today. The strength, the vitality, the future of the church has always been defined by this singular word, believers coming together. You are a church with a rich and dynamic history. My first Sunday with you was on February 6, 2005. Our family moved here to Mansfield, my wife Steffi and I, and our daughter Anna, who was 13 months old at the time. We came here at a very different stage in our life, and it was a very different stage in the life of our church. Our family would grow as we welcomed a son years later, and our church family would continue to grow in the years ahead. In the fall of 2004, just before I, I came, this church completed the, the last building campaign that we did uh, to expand this sanctuary, to add our atrium space. And I remember at the end of that first Sunday, after experiencing worship with you, what I had known intellectually, I had the chance to experience in a whole new way. I went home with this profound sense that this is a church that does great things. And over the course of the almost 14 years that I've been with you, what I have seen over and over again, working as one of your associate pastors and now as your senior pastor is again and again, you have affirmed uh, and you have confirmed that idea that this is a church that does great things. This is a church that throughout its history has continued over and over again to confound expectations and to astound others with the richness and the vitality of your faith. From 1996 to 2016, the, the most ambitious among you uh, thought and dreamed that, that this church might over the course of those 20 years double in size, but you didn't. You grew by 350% instead. From 2006 to 2016, you were one of only two churches out of the 30,000 plus churches in United Methodism to average a 10% growth in your church each of those 10 years. Nearly 40 years ago, uh, there were some here in this church family who, who, who dreamed of starting a new ministry, a ministry that simply did what Jesus had called them to do, to help people. And over the course of many decades, that ministry continued to grow and expand, becoming more than anyone ever imagined that it would ever be until it came to the place that leaders in this church, led by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, decided to do something that churches never do. They took something that was their success 
They took something that had been birthed within this church that, that this church could claim as, as something that was their own and they said the future success of this can be more than we could ever imagine if it's no longer just about our success but it's about others' success as well. If this was a gift that was given to our local community, inviting other churches to be a part of the ministry that it does week in and week out, it could do so much more. And so today in this community, the Mansfield Mission Center raises more dollars than they ever have, has more volunteers and churches engaged than they ever have before, serving more people than they ever had before because a church like this did a great thing and said this isn't something that just belongs to us. This is work that belongs to the kingdom of God. There is within this community something that I have been astounded by so many times before. There's an ethic of service and sacrifice that the citizens share with one another. It's present in our city leadership. It's present in our school district. It's part of what makes Mansfield a, an incredible city to be a part of. And maybe you've asked yourself the same question I have asked, which is where does that come from? Where does that originate? How, how, how does a city develop in that particular way? And do you know what many people say? Uh, certainly you can't point to one church and say that, that they're responsible for all of it, but, but what I hear over and over again is that's the influence of First United Methodist Church in this community. The way in which you have shaped and you have molded the way this, this community thinks about itself and, and seeks to serve and bless others. And you, I will tell you, I have heard from other pastors in this church as they look at their life and their ministry and what they do week in and week out, they have expressed to me on your behalf that they now do things differently because they've seen what you do. Because you are a church that does great things. The fingerprints of your faith and your influence are all over this community. When disaster strikes in our region, in our area, people know who to call. They call you because they know of your love and your care and your support. They know how you will respond. For more than eight years, every Thursday night, there's been a place for individuals and families who are struggling to recover from habits and hurts and hangups because this is a church that believes that everyone is recovering from something. And Celebrate Recovery is here each and every week because you are a church that does great things. And all of that happens, by the way, because you're a church who takes seriously the commitment that you make whenever any child is baptized. When we together say, with God's help, with God's help, we will, I forgot it already. <laughs> we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that this child surrounded by steadfast love may establish in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. It's the one thing you think you won't forget that you end up forgetting. You surround them in love. You train them in grace. You confirm them in the faith. That happens because you are a church who takes seriously the call to share Christ with others, to invite others to receive him into their life, to be baptized, receiving the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And over the course of decades, thousands of people have united with the life of this church through their own profession of faith. Today, 40,000 orphans around the world are enrolled in the program that Zoe Ministry offers to empower orphans to never need charity again.
And while many churches have played a part in the success and expansion of this ministry, over the course of the last 14 years, when the leadership of Zoe looks at what the, the flagship church uh, that has made their success and their expansion possible, what I have heard over and over again from their CEO and you have heard as well, the flagship church is First United Methodist Church of Mansfield. In this church family, within this church family, we have raised over a million and a half dollars for orphans all around the world. And today, thousands of them are living a life that they never thought was possible because of your generosity. And in the years to come, we're gonna raise a million more. You know why? Because you're a church that does great things. That's who you have been. And that is who I believe you will continue to be. And so as we begin this campaign, I want you to hear a few things very clearly. I want you to hear that God believes in you. You didn't get where you are today by accident. It wasn't a mistake. God believes in you. God has given you a great task and a great responsibility because you have shown time and time again that you're a church that is capable of doing great things. You have shown time and time again that you are a church that is not afraid to take a step of faith. God believes in you, which is why God has given to you a vision for the future because he believes that you have the faith, the capacity to step into the future that he has given. I want you to hear that your leadership believes in you. That as you begin a season of prayer, I want you to know that there are leaders in this church who have gone ahead of you, who have entered in that season of prayer asking of themselves, Lord, what would you do through me? And so today as we begin, we don't begin at the ground level, we begin with two and a half million dollars already committed to this campaign because leaders have gone ahead of you and have said, we will say yes to inspire the rest of our church to say yes. And every single one of your pastors is a part of that. And every single member of your executive lay leadership team is a part of that group of leaders who have said yes in advance of bringing this before you because they believe in you. They believe in what you are capable of. They have seen time and time again that you were a church that does great things. And they believe that you can do great things in the future. And I want you to hear that I believe in you I absolutely believe in you. And so my conviction as we move forward is this, there are more than enough resources to enable God's dreams. And the challenge that is before us is not a challenge to raise enough money. The challenge that is before us is a test of the capacity of our faith. And I want you to hear that I believe in you. God may have other plans for me, but I long ago made a decision, whatever my future is, I want it to be here with you because I believe in you. But the reason, the reason that this is more than anything else, a season of prayer is because you have to answer for yourself this question, do you believe in you? Do you believe 
that you are still a church that does great things? Do you believe that you are a church that has the capacity to do great things in this community and around the world? Do you believe in you and do you believe in one another? Do you believe in what you can do when you do those things together? I do. The strength, the vitality, the future of the church has always been defined by this singular word and our future will be defined by it as well. It'll be defined by what we do together. But each of us, each of us has to wrestle with that question. Do we believe that the God who brought us to this place is the same God who will carry us forward into this future that God is calling us to pursue? You get to choose for yourself, but I want you to know today that I believe in you. Let's pray. Loving God, we lay before you today our future. And we pray, Lord, that you will test us. That you will test in these weeks, Lord, the capacity of our faith, our trust in you and in your provision, the leading of your Holy Spirit to guide, to help us, Lord, make wise decisions for our future. We give you thanks, Lord, that we stand the line of such a rich heritage of men and women who have come before us. And that because of their sacrifice, Lord, we have the tremendous honor to sacrifice as well. So bless our church, Lord, as we pray together, as we work together, as we seek to build together and as we dream together of the future that you are preparing for us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.